This is Quit. It's a show about change, challenges, and improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. My name is Dan Benjamin. I'm your host for today. It's Friday, October 9th, 2015. It's episode 75. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the date is because I feel like Patty Cook. This show is uh, what we call in, in the business, we call evergreen. I agree. Long, it's a showcase show. Long tail. You know, it's like a lemur. I sure. Why not? I met. Have you been crying? Well, I've been crying. Your eyes are watering like crazy. You've My, been sneezing. I've been sneezing. I just yawned. All sorts. Of Sometimes when people yawn, they cry. But your mascara is run all down your face. Your hair is a mess, and I no. I'm, you were actually just I'm well put together. Curled up under your desk. My is hair it because is, is you got curled. fired earlier. Uh, no. 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 I didn't Did I forget fired. to give you the the letter? You forgot to fire me. Yeah, again today. Why am I getting fired this time? Why not? True. It's Friday, right? You get fired every Friday at 5, you get rehired <laughs> every Monday at 8. And you have to interview over yeah, the weekend. Re- you have to re-interview oh my gosh, and go through the application process. Can we what? do that to our own employees? Fire them and rehire them or just and interview them, them now? And have them re-interview every week to show that they <laughs> just, still want it. <laughs> sure. I think every company should do that. <laughs> Why not, right? You have to prove it. It's like musical chairs, but instead of chairs, it's just hoping that you get to keep your desk. Eric, my friend Eric Linval, who does not listen to this because he's now a multimillionaire, uh, he sold he his company. He has too much money. He has to too listen. much money to listen. He doesn't need yeah. to listen anymore. But he is the one who's in in control of the Ansible, and that's I blame him for not for that not being around right now. So I I apologize to people who want to call in live. He said he should have some time soon, though, and he's a wonder. He's a wonderful human being. He is one of the most genuine, kind people. Who, when you the, they you find out that they've sold their company and become a multimillionaire, you actually feel happy about it instead of burning rage, jealousy, and uh, envy, which is a sin. <laughs> so burning you actually jealous, feel good. rage, envy, well, or envy just by envy. by okay. itself is the a rest sin, is right? fine. You can do that. Can you be jealous? That's not a sin, but envy Jealousy? is a sin. Or is it the, I'm trying to think of the movie Seven. It was envy. Jealousy's not. It's coveting. Coveting. That's jealousy. Right. All I'm saying, Hattie, is that you're a sinner. Am I? Of, of envy and jealousy. Am you I were, envious of Eric? You were envious of my aquatic frog. And then you got, you had to get your own aquatic frog. <laughs> This is what happens when we don't do Dan Benjamin Hour anymore. Or, or the frequency. It creeps into the other shows. But let's talk about this stuff uh, that's quit related because we've got a long list of great – I've put together a number of really wonderful topics that I feel will be beneficial and helpful. Uh, I have also – I have four great sponsors. But trust me, we'll keep them short and we'll space them out. And one thing I want to address – that is, I feel more of a podcast method topic, another show that I do that helps people with, uh, with their podcasts but that I want to bring up here is how grateful I am to all of you for listening to the sponsors. I put on Twitter and actually one of our topics today is about Twitter and using, using, uh, Twitter. U- using Twitter or other social networks in, in the process of job seeking in a way. We'll get to that. But I want to thank all of you who replied to me on Twitter and said, I do listen to the ads. I don't skip the ads. There are people who are under the impression that as long as they download the show, it doesn't matter if they go and visit a sponsor website or not. 
And that's not true at all because sponsors will try sponsoring a show, but the only way that they come back, the only way that they become repeat sponsors, which is our goal, is if they find uh, that the listeners are actually responding to the ads. So it's it's not if you care about the show, and I hope you do. I hope you're here to uh, to help support us. The, one of the best ways to support us is, yeah, just if, if I tell you about a sponsor, go check them out. Just go to the website. Obviously, if, if you like what you see and you sign up, wonderful. But it's a great way to help the show and keep us on a on a regular schedule because we can we can only afford to do this when we have sponsors. So, and if you support us with Patreon, that's that's a whole other thing that helps literally helps us pay the rent. Like you have no idea. People think podcasting is this lucrative uh, lucrative thing, and I think that's for the the few rock stars out there. If you were to go and uh, and walk down the streets of Austin, Hattie, mm-hmm. and find someone who's carrying their guitar, walking down the street carrying their guitar, which is ha- frequent, a lot especially of people, in Austin. They're carrying their guitars around the way other uh, other people would carry a, a wallet. Well, I was going to say like a briefcase or a, a what brief is a tim, a Timbuktu? What is that called? A messenger bag. Here yes. in Austin, it's not messenger bags that you see. It's people Man with guitars bag. slung over their shoulders. Yeah. And if you were to go up to one of those folks and say to them, "Are you a musician? Are you a professional musician?" Say, well, of course I am. They say, "How how are you doing?" They say, "I can barely pay my rent." Very different. From uh, the Lenny Kravitz uh, type people of the world, the rock stars. There are very few rock stars out there. The same is true in podcasting. And you know what? Same is true in design. Same is true in development. Same is true in most of these industries where you can do phenomenal work at your desk. You can do phenomenal work at your desk. And you may never be one of those big names, one of those people who headlines a design conference, one of those people who they put your name on the webpage for the conference and people will sign up just to, just to get that. That does not happen a lot. It's tough to be one of those people. It's tough to be one of those people in any industry, whether it's design, development, podcasting, doesn't matter. It's tough. But the good news is you don't have to do that to love what you do. You don't need to be a big name. You don't need to be famous. You don't need to have hundreds of thousands of people following you on Twitter to love what you do and to feel rewarded at the end of the day. And I feel like if that's your goal, if you can make ends meet and at the end of the day you feel like you enjoyed what you did and you put in a good day's work, I, I think that should be the goal. It seems like people's goals now, nowadays, are to have tons of followers, whether it's followers on Twitter or Facebook connections or LinkedIn things or to get your article published here and there. And I don't think it has to be that way. I don't think it should be that way. I think your goal should be, I want to do a good job. I want to do good work. And I want to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. And if I'm the only person that knows about what I did, you know what? That's, that's good enough. It's like what Mr. Miyagi said. Mr. Miyagi says, you know, it's good enough that you know. It's good enough that you know what you've done. It's good enough that you know that you've done the right thing. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people know. Now in the workplace, of course, you want your boss and your colleagues to know that you're doing good work so you don't get fired, but different topic. Now, one of the things that has been on my mind to talk about, speaking of doing good work, two really positive customer service experiences that I have had recently. And I think, Hattie, I know you were there for the UPS store. 
Were you there when I did the call to AT&T? I was. I was, yes. Because that was unexpected. And that is our topic for today. What is our topic? That it should not be unexpected about a positive experience with another human. Right. One of our one of the sort of themes that runs through the show from time to time is certainly involves customer service. A little bit of background on me if you don't know, I have done many retail jobs and many customer service jobs and a number of support jobs, IT support specifically. To give you an idea of what some of these jobs were starting at age 13, On my 13th birthday, in fact, I started working, and my first job was Burger King. And my mom had to sign a waiver that would allow me to work at age 13 because back then, in the Stone Ages, you had to be 14 before you could just get a job without parental permission. So I had wanted to work at Burger King. My mom agreed, signed the document, and There I was, 13 years old. You had to buy your uniform. It was sort of taken out of your first paycheck, if I remember correctly. And I had my special shirt, my Burger King shirt, my Burger King hat. And I went back and where they start you, and I believe it's the same today. Where they start you is you're running the grill. Burger King is not lying when they say that they grill the burgers. They're grilled, but they're grilled by a machine. And the machine has, uh, imagine a a steel or perhaps aluminum-covered conveyor belt. So on one end of the machine, there's actually two conveyor belts. The one on top is for the patties, and the one on the bottom is for the buns. And on the order comes in, and they say, okay. Uh, you need, we need three Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, whatever they, they would order. And back then we didn't even have like digital readouts for the orders or printed things. You just, one guy would just yell, all right, two Whoppers. And you would have to, as the guy running the grill, you would have to get the two Whoppers. And those patties were frozen and they were frozen in like a, an ice chest. Like a, what, how do you, you were just talking about this the other day. What do they call the freezer that your parents had i think some people call that a deep, a deep freezer freeze. yeah. but i mean it's, it's not really a deep freezer it's just it's a freezer with no refrigerator part attached to it it's just it's and waist it, it's like a big uh box and yeah. you just kind of open the top like a little hinge exactly on the back and, and it's like it's about just, wa- it's about waist height right it's it's things that you don't want in your readily available kitchen freezer right these are things like oh we're getting you know our turkey for Thanksgiving seven months in advance because mm-hmm. we're getting it in Canada right. and, you know, we're getting it shipped or something. I don't know. And you chuck that special. in there and yeah. keeps it cold. So that's what the patties were in. And they came in these large stacks. And you used to have to, uh, to separate the patties because they'd be frozen together. But you had to do this with your bare hands. There was no tool to use, weren't allowed to use a tool. You could just sort of try and pry them apart or bang them inside the chest. And then once you got them separated out, frozen, you would put them on the top of the conveyor belt. And then you would go and grab the buns and the buns would be stacked up against the wall in those big bins. And you'd rip open the plastic. If it it was a new one, you'd rip open the plastic, you'd grab the right buns, you'd put them on the bottom of the conveyor belt and they'd go through. And if you timed it right, 
the bun would come out just a couple seconds before the patty came out. And the patty would just sort of flip, just sort of flop, just sort of, I don't know what the right word is for that. I almost wanted to say anemically, but lethargically, just and kind of like land on the tray. And then you would take it and you'd put it onto the bun and put the bun, and then you'd hand it. Either you'd put it in this little steam bin that was supposed to keep it fresh and warm for a period of time, or you'd give it right to the next person in, in line and they would put the toppings on it, wrap it, put it down the little chute. It would slide down the chute and the person at the cash register would grab it. That's what you started out doing at Burger King. I'm 13 years old, was doing this. And you would do it for a period of three to five hours at a time without a break, no water allowed. It kind of sucked. But every job that I had after that, Seemed like heaven. Any job that I had after that job seemed like the best job in the world. Oh, 95 degrees, summer heat. I'm wearing long pants, leather shoes, a button front shirt, and a tie and a green apron, pushing a cart outside around at Publix and bagging people's groceries. Heaven. No one's yelling at me. Heaven. Hands not being burnt. Right. Not getting burnt, pulling the little, running breakfast and pulling the, the little croissant that always got stuck in the mini conveyor belt that you had to cook the, you know, whatever the Burger King version of Weren't the, handling food? Yeah. It was, well, I mean, I was, it was public. Right, but you're not preparing yeah. food. You're handling packaged food. Right. And it was heaven. It was great. And every job I've had ever since, anytime I feel like I'm having a bad day, I think back to like Burger King and getting burned. <laughs> Literally. Age 13, sweating, getting burned. And then a combination of either I was either getting burned or moments later frostbite from trying to grab something out of the, the thing out of the freezer. <laughs> you know, I mean, that could be your job. It could be a lot worse, right? But then I started to do more and more of these customer service, customer facing jobs. And in those jobs, you know, they don't really explain it to you like this. Or if they do, you know, you're you're in high school or or after and you don't really hear it your job if you're in customer service or customer facing job you only have one job you only have one role you only have one responsibility the rest is just details your role your responsibility is to make the customer feel good no matter what they're doing no matter what they want to do no matter whether the answer is yes or no your goal is to make them feel good that's your job making the customer feel good how rarely does that happen? Everybody has these horror stories. Oh, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z with my, with my cell phone company or with my cable company is the big one. And so recently, I called, actually it was just a day or two ago, I called my uh, cell phone service, pr- provider. service provider who I will out on the show because they did a good job. It's AT&T. And you're thinking to yourself, what? AT- First of all, everyone knows AT&T doesn't do a good job, right? Like everyone knows they're evil, but maybe they're not. Wait a minute. It's 2015. Maybe AT&T is no longer evil. I don't know. Maybe. Because I, I want to tell you about this. I want to tell you about this amazing experience that I had. And where they kind of saved me from something terrible happening. And answered my questions in a way and then didn't 
hit me up with all the weird. Will you? Would you mind taking our survey at the end of this call? Would you? Would you press five if you're willing to take none of that? And I'll tell you that after I tell you about Harry's. Harry's.com started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men. I have one of their starter kits. Patty, I know you got a starter kit for dad. Yes. For Christmas. For Christmas? Start thinking about Christmas now, everybody. It's October. You don't want to be scrambling. Around here, it's called Rocktober. <laughs> and anyway, I got one of these starter kits. And the razor that I got, I decided, you know what? I'll splurge. I'll get this thing engraved because I'm, I'm going to keep this thing for a long time. And I don't think it's much to get engraved. No. It's a few bucks. Because these handles are made out of, they have metal on them. They look really good. They're beautiful. This is like a razor your dad had, you know? And the blades that they make, they actually found this 93-year-old blade factory in Germany that's been making some of the world's highest quality blades for a century. Isn't that crazy? And they bought that factory. So now they've got the best blades. And you wouldn't think of like packaging and an unboxing experience for a razor, but why wouldn't you? We're talking about customer service. We're talking about making the customer happy. That's exactly what these guys do. They send you this amazing kit. It's got the razor. It's got three blades. And then you can pick, do you want shaving cream or do you want foaming gel? I'm old fashioned. I like the shaving cream. What can I say? That's what I like. So if you're listening to this show, you can get $5 off your purchase with my code. It's grit because how do you set this up with them when the show is called grit momentarily? Yes. So that's the code. But that's fine. It saves you ten. It saves you five dollars off your first purchase. You don't have to get the kit. You can get more. You can get less. Get whatever you want. But it's going to save you five five bucks if you use the code GRIT. They also have a social mission: one percent of the sales and at least one percent of their time to organizations that prepare people for personal and professional success. That's what we do on the show. Did you know that? I want you to edit the description of the show. I want you to put in there on the on the uh, in the CMS, Hattie. Yeah, making a note of it. That the this, this purpose of the show is to prepare people for personal and professional success because that's what I do. That's what if after I've passed and my kids who are themselves grandparents uh, say, well, what was great, great, great grandpa known for? He was known for he was, preparing He was known people. for preparing people for, anyway. Harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S, Harrys.com. I'm not kidding. $5 off if you use the code GRID. This makes a wonderful gift for every man in your life and apparently women too. Love this. Yep. Go check it out. So, I called AT&T and my original reason for calling was just to ask a question. As I've been talking to Merlin Mann about on Back to Work and Jim Dalrymple on Amplified about extensively and, and pretty much anyone who will listen to me, telling them how the iPad Air 2 and iOS 9 has changed my life. I've had iPads before, but I feel like there is a major tipping point right now in the awesomeness of this experience. It has become my main computing device when I'm not writing code on my Mac. I'm using the iPad for everything else. It's that good. Different show, right? Well, I did something crazy. I did something I haven't ever done before, and that is I bought an Apple product fully maxed out. I've never done that with a phone. I've certainly never done it with a computer. 
But with this iPad, I said, yeah, this time I'm going to because I, I really believe in this platform and I believe in simplifying my entire experience. I want to have this one device that I can do pretty much everything on. And that's an, on another thing on my growing list of topics to talk about here on the show is maximizing my effectiveness through a minimalist approach. So this is a step in that direction. So I maxed it out. I got the iPad Air 2, 128 gigs of RAM, and cell cellular service built into it. And that's something that, uh, that I thought, okay, well, I, I, my understanding is I can add this as a device on my plan. So I was just calling to see how much it was. Turns out it's $10. Seems very reasonable to me. It's shared data. But I wanted to see if there was any better plan that I could get because I had heard that they had discontinued the plan uh, that I had now and I could do something better that might be better. So I called up on hold very, very short period of time. A minute? Unheard of. Right, you were not prepared for that. No. One minute, gentleman answers, says, I may help you, confirmed who I was. And he said, oh, uh, he said, actually, you know what? Uh, first, he told me it was 10 bucks. I said, great. He said, uh, you know what? Actually, the plan that you're on has been discontinued. I said, oh, okay, well, what do I have to do? going to have to pay more? He says, no. He says, actually, you can stay on that plan. However, if you want, we can switch you over to the new plan. Instead of having 10 gigs of shared data, you're going to have 15 I said, oh, well, I bet I have to sign some new contract or something. No, 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 nothing like that. Nothing will change. You just, I can just put you on this plan right now. Nothing changes. I said, okay. He's like, no, really, nothing will change. I said, okay, do it. He said, okay. He said, by the way, also, there's uh, something else that seems like uh, on your account here. I just noticed. I just noticed this while I was looking at your account that uh, somehow something happened where you've got like a second plan on here. I looked at your previous months and it's fine, but this month there's a problem. You're going to pay an extra $100 this month because of some change uh, that happened to your account. Well, we figured out what it was. Hattie recently bought herself an iPhone 6S and somehow through that activation, it uh, created the separate plan for you because you're on our, like we have like a, a share plan that, that yeah. you are on and I'm on and I've got, I've got a couple other devices on that and instead of health insurance i have given you uh, a phone plan a phone plan <laughs> seems fair thank you <laughs> and, the important things you know right having a phone and so interesting thing as a result of this is he says well i'll fix it right now now i was surprised by all of this first of all the short wait time second of all he was friendly he was nice he answered my questions. He didn't try to upsell me on anything else. It was just seamless. It was great. And he saved me from, you know, me having to then be irate at the end of the month. Why are you charging me an extra hundred bucks? He went, what I've, and you know what? It's crazy to think that I felt like it was above and beyond what he should have been doing to find a mistake and fix it. I'm thrilled. Listen to this. Listen to where we are in 2015. I'm so pessimistic, cynical, jaded, and negative when it comes to dealing with customer service that the idea that he did his job by finding a mistake and fixing it. And pointing it out and, and fixing it. And pointing it out and fixing it. 
with as little problems as possible. Right. And he didn't have to verify any information. He didn't have to call like, his boss. No. Or you call got to me deal back. with one person. Right. Maybe I got lucky. Maybe this is just the way it is now. But imagine that that the idea that this person was polite and courteous and fixed a problem and saved me money and saved me aggravation. That that, that caused me to experience joy in dealing with them. And now if somebody came to me and said, how's AT&T, Dan? I'm not going to say, well, it's the best provider in my area. I'm going to say, I had a really great experience with them. And that is what makes customers. That's what makes customers come back and makes people advocate. Because I'm advocating to you right now that I had a good experience with AT&T. Because the guy the just did his job. He just did his job. He showed up and he cared and he fixed a problem. He didn't say, oh, by the way, like you could, you could tell my manager that would really help me out. I've had right. customer service reps say that to me. He did not say that. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up with a little survey. It would be great if you give me all fives. If you don't give me all fives, that's a fail. Ever hear that at the car dealership? We really like to get all fives. Anything less than a five is failure for us. He didn't say any of that. Didn't ask for anything. Just poof, gone. Little magical AT&T man. <laughs> but I was, I, I looked just, I looked over at, you were there. I remember now you were there. I looked over at you. I'm like, what just happened? Right. I was like, like that's I didn't, that's never call. happened before. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that you can do every single day in your own job, whatever it is, because at the end of the day, almost all of us are in customer service jobs, really. And I'll tell you what, if you're providing a service directly, if you're freelancing, you're making your living by providing a service to somebody, you better be treating your customers like this. You better be going out of your way to do what today is not even expected. Surprise people, right? Surprise them with being kind, with being generous. Why should we be surprised by that? It sucks that we're surprised by that. I was not alive in the 1950s or 60s. But, you know, you see on TV, you watch Pleasantville or something like that. And it seems like this is how everybody was back then. I, I've told this story before. I visited South Korea in maybe 2000. And I was in the airport. And, you know, we didn't speak the language, but we were with the colonel. He was a retired colonel in the South Korean army. And we were departing. I think we were leaving Seoul to go to Pusan. Or maybe we were heading back to the States. And I had, uh, I had my suitcase with everything in it, big suitcase, with everything in it. All the stuff that we'd gathered on the trip and souvenirs and things to bring back, this huge suitcase. And it was confusing as to where to, to check it out, you know, check it in the bag. Their system was different there at this time. And our tickets were handwritten tickets in Korean. So I had no idea what they even said. I assumed I was going back to the U.S. I had no idea, no way to know for sure. You just trusted it. Yeah. <laughs> and a guy came up and it, I, this was being translated, of course, but the, the colonel translating for me said, he, he will take your bag. And it was like a kid in like a uniform with the white gloves and everything else. But it was like a, a young, young guy. And like, I just, I just give it to him. 
Because here in the U.S., like we've got, you know, luggage tags that print out and a thing gets taped on there and it's difficult to pull off and still we lose our luggage. Also, it's not like you were boarding the plane. You no, know, we were a ways before the right. place. We weren't even in the part of the it's, airport where you board. Right. It's not like where you're like boarding the plane on the tarmac where you're like, the plane is open. I can see inside of it and I can see the man putting the luggage in right. the thing. It we was weren't not like there. that. No. <laughs> Different part of the airport. And I, I, I like I didn't want to insult their culture or anything but i i kind of wanted to say like listen like in the u.s if this happens i'm never going to see my bag again i barely like i'm lucky to see my check bag if i do it the right way at the thing in the front he's like no no it's, it's fine because he knew that 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 kid's family honor was at stake <laughs> like if he lost that bag he might he, he would probably be fired and he would bring shame upon his whole family. His father would have to resign from, shut down his own business because he'd be so ashamed of his son, he wouldn't be able to show his face in the town. What happened? My son misplaced a bag. Now, you know, you might say that I'm casting a, 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 some kind of racial stereotype, but they take stuff very seriously. And of course, the bag was there and it was fine. And that, that really, I, lo- I love that because people who take their job and what they do very seriously, even when no one else knows, doing good work when no one else will find out about it, that takes a kind of courage in a way, doesn't it? So I want to, before I get to these emails, I want to talk a little bit more about what I, really what is at the essence of that, which is follow through, follow through. Because how do you, I'm sure you can, you can talk about this here as well, but follow through is something that maybe is it a generational thing that we've encountered here? Because we have, we have dealt with different interns, not different ages, different ages, literally across all ages, actually, almost all where, well, we haven't had geriatric people working for us. Right. Is that a safe term to use anymore? Can you say geriatric? Is that like a scientific term or is that? Negative. I think the elderly would be worse. Elderly is worse than geriatric. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, what do you consider ger- like? What age? If, if I said, if, if you said, can sign up for AARP. <laughs> that's geriatric. You've just offended a lot of our listeners. Well, that's what they they say that on the they site. They say geriatric. I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> look I'm up pretty ge- sure. How do I need for you to look up Google geriatric <laughs> of relating to old people? <laughs> <laughs> so the scientific Thanks, term for old, at least Google's working old. Right. now. Before uh, Google.com was down. Uh, okay, so it's a uh, number one adjective of or relating to old people, especially with regard to their health care. Noun, an old person, especially one receiving special care. A rest home for geriatrics. Okay. Or a geriatric hospital. Right. Yes, that's mainly where I've heard it. Like where you go to, con- oh. well, like a, what is a convalescent home? And is convalescent also have a negative connotation or is it, what is home? No, convalesce, convalescing. Look up convalescent or convalesce, convalescing. Convalescent of a person recovering from an illness or operation. So really convalescing doesn't imply age at all. No, it's just, you could have, you could a, have a child, a child who's convalescing. Who's convalescing as they heal from a common cold, perhaps. Correct. 
I need to use that word more. Yeah. That's a good word. I have very... The, I look have, up elderly. Was that your other word? Elderly? Elderly. While you look that up, I'll do our second sponsor. It's Linda. Linda.com. L-Y-N-D-A. Linda. Linda.com. It's the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses. I've been counting these up one by one, and I'm up to about 2,798, but we had to come in and do the show, so I had to stop counting. But they do have over 3,000, it looks yes. like, videos. Linda, Linda is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who, you remember that, uh, the show, did you have Ripley's Believe It or Not? Yes, and I had the book. The too. Strange, the Bizarre, the Unexpected. I love that's what that they used to say at the beginning show. of the uh, the thing. So I feel like that's what Linda is all about. This for the strange, the curious, and the unexpected. Maybe you want to master Excel. You want to learn how to negotiate. You want to build a website. You want to boost your Photoshop skills. Go to Linda. It is for you, the person with a curious mind. You can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching. Passionate. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand, learn on your own schedule, learn at your own pace, browse each course, learn what they've got, transcripts, follow along with a transcript. It's amazing what they've got. You can take notes and refer to them later. You can download these tutorials, watch them on the go, access on your iOS device, your Android device. Even make playlists and share them with people, save them for later. Lynda.com slash quit. L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash quit. Sign up for your free 10-day trial. Support the show in the process. Thank you so much to uh, Miss Linda and her capable team at lynda.com. Elderly. Elderly. Uh, when I Googled just the term elderly, yeah. um, a news a story came up from 12 hours ago. <laughs> Tanzania says its most infamous ivory smuggler is this elderly Chinese businesswoman. Look, elderly, she's got a full head of hair, dark hair. Yeah. I imagine elderly is having gray hair, or our favorite word around the office here, hoary. H-O-A-R-Y. Old or wizened with age, whitened with age, hoary. Hoary. H-O-A-R-Y. Not to be confused with the other kind. That's a bad kind. (laughs) Follow through. So let me give you an example. I was speaking with a good friend of mine, Jeffrey Zeldman, L. Jeffrey Zeldman. Uh, creator of Zeldman.com and many websites and, of course, a book apart, an event apart, all a the list aparts. apart, all the aparts, apartness. And uh, he is a saint of a man. He is. One of the kindest people you'll ever meet. Most empathetic human being I know. He's more empathetic than most women. Is that politically correct, correct to say that? I don't know. <laughs> Would you call Jeffrey Zeldman elderly? No. 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 Geriatric? No. Convalescent? Hopefully. Yes, because he had a cold. Yes. <laughs> I had to think about that for yeah, a second. I'm trying to catch him. So it was great to see him. They were doing an event apart, which is a wonderful design-focused, usability-focused, UX-focused conference. And Jen Simmons ho- was there. Jen Simmons there, among other people, uh, giving great talks here in Austin and it's a traveling show like a circus and uh, like Cirque du Soleil with just just oh, yeah. human just humans no just elephants humans. right or uh, or dancing bears and they had a wonderful thing here and I was lucky enough to have dinner with 
uh, L. Jeffrey Seldman and Jen Simmons and uh, Hattie, you were there and Mike was there. Hi, Mike. Hello. And we, we had a wonderful dinner. And in the process of this dinner, we were talking about follow through. We were talking about how just doing a great job on the design and uploading the finished design to Dropbox isn't enough. He was telling a story about that. <laughs> just yeah. putting the file there, that's not enough. That's just one step in the 25-step part. Just right. because you've done your part does not mean it's finished. <laughs> right. You have to actually tell the other person the that file is turn. there and ready. It's your turn. Tag, to... <laughs> you're it. Right. You don't tag someone that's and a then good just title. stand there. Tag, you're it. I like that. But that's a great point, Hattie, is that you need to, you need to, like, the job's not done until you've told other people that the job is done. And we've had that problem here. For example, and here's a good example. We might have a host and the host uh, and co-host record their show. They upload the show and they email us, perhaps our editor or our intern, and say, the, the show is ready to go. Please edit it. And then our engineer will receive that email and immediately say, oh, great, the show's done. I, I, and kick into gear, I will now edit the show. And they edit the show and they toil over it and they sweat over it and they make it sound amazing, like, like the best show you've ever heard and it sounds awesome and the audio qualities are perfect. And even though the guest was like talking in an iPhone uh, headset in, in a bathroom in, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a foreign nation with terrible internet connectivity and a, you know, sounds of a war zone outside they edited all of that out and they made it sound great and you think the two people are in the same room and they're so proud of this thing and they upload it and they put it into the cms and they're done and they leave and then the show doesn't get published and a day goes by and it doesn't get published and the hosts of the show are like huh i wonder if because our guest audio quality was so bad that that they're unusable maybe the show's all unusable maybe it's maybe an they didn't even show. get the maybe email. they didn't even get the email at all Maybe what they if haven't I worked up? on it. Right. What if I sent my email into a black hole? I better check my spam folder. Well, you know what? No, there's nothing in my spam folder. It's fine. Everything's fine. People are going to, they're going to get to them. They'll, they'll get it. They'll get to it. They're just busy. You know what? Dan seems busy. His people seem busy. A lot of shows going on over there. I don't want to bother them, but I really wonder what happened to the show that we worked really hard on. Little did they know. Maybe they forgot about it's it. It's been sitting in the CMS, Hattie, for three to four days, five days. Sitting there, ready to post, ready you to sound publish. Canadian just then. Been sitting there. Four sitting to five there. Days. Go out. Go out. Go out. Ooh. Go out. Well, that happens. It has happened, and it does happen, and I'm sure that happens in your workplace too. So I was working with a gentleman over at Wired Magazine not that long ago. Wired wanted to put, they wanted to have a little pot. They have these one-page deals where they show a picture. And then the picture has items that, that kind of are like, get started and do a thing. And this one, what they wanted to do one on podcasting. And so they reached out to me and they said, will you do like, do the, do the podcasting one? And I said, well, of course I would love to do it. I'm flattered that she would ask me to do it. And they said, you know, pick a, like a microphone and an audio adapter for the computer and a stand and a boom and you know, all the stuff you need and. And put an item in there that's that's kind of fun. So I put a bell. You know how Merlin always rings a bell. So I put a bell on there. A great, a great little thing. Every single interaction that I had with this editor at Wired instantly would write back to me. I mean, assuming it was during business hours. And if it wasn't the next business hours, he would get back to me. And you know what? That's at Wired. That was at Wired. This is not some like little podunk, right? Yeah. 
And he's replying instantly. Instantaneously. So I would, I would, he'd say, hey, Dan, you know, how, how's the article going? And I would write him back and I'd say, here's my first draft of it. What do you think? Five seconds later, reply, okay, got it. We'll check it out today. He hadn't checked it out yet. He hadn't opened the file. Right. He wasn't saying. Great. That, looks great. No. I had got no feedback other than I've got it. I'll check it out later today. Thanks. So what did he do? First thing he did was he said, I have received this thing Email. that you sent. Right. Yep. I, I got the thing. It's there. Second thing he did was he said, I need to let Dan know that I got what, it. What the expectations are for this. I will look at it when later today. Sent. Now, if I don't hear back from him later on today, something happens. At least I know he got the thing. The thing that I sent made it to him and he replied and let me know, okay, now I can relax because he's got it. Now I'm really wondering. It's not your turn. Right. It's not my, right. We've taken the turn. Now he, now, now it's his thing. Now he's going to get back to me and you know what? He would, he'd get back to me and say, okay, first draft looks really great. Uh, I'll go and see if we can source these products for the photo shoot. I'll let you know when that's done. Okay, now he made good on his thing. Now, he could have not replied until he had a chance to look at it. He could have not replied at all. And I would have assumed he got it. I would have wondered about it. And maybe if it wasn't until the end of the day that he got back, no big deal. But what if, he, what if it was Friday at 4? Then I would be wondering all weekend, did he even get the email? Is he going to get back to me? When's he going to do it? But that one little email that he sent, and he did this almost every time that we had interactions, he would have a very quick response where he would write back. And so recently I had the occasion to do this. Uh, one of our hosts was wanting to, was concerned about the quality of their show, wanted to see how they could improve it. They've been having some Skype issues. And I, I, you know, the show is important to them. It's important to me. And so I wanted to make sure that I took enough time to write a really detailed response explaining what I thought some of the issues might be and how we might address them and how we might want to improve upon their setup or our setup or come up with alternative ways to produce the show to make it the best. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to write that response today. I wasn't going to be able to write it tomorrow. In fact, it was probably going to be two or three days before I could do it. But I wanted to really write a real scientific, in-depth response uh, because it, it, there were some issues that we wanted to fix. So I wrote him back immediately and I said, thanks for, for sending this. I want the show to be the best it can be. I'm working on a detailed response. It'll probably take me a day or two to get back to you. Stay tuned. And a couple days later, I sent him the detailed response and he had a detailed one back and it was great. And everybody, and, and actually the response that I got was, you know what? I really appreciate all the time you took to explain this. I feel like I understand what's going on much better. And I think I know what we, some things that we can do and here's what we can try. They were super appreciative of that. If I had just sat there and not replied, if I had just sat there and said, you know what, I can't get to this for a couple days. But I'm going to get to this and just not said anything about it. That would have been 
really bad for them because they would think, oh, Dan's ignoring me or Dan's too busy or worse, Dan doesn't care about the show the way we care about the show. And I see this happen a lot. And I don't know if it's a generational thing or what, because when, like when I grew up, if grandma wrote you a letter, like you're going to be sitting down and you're going to be writing a letter back to grandma. If grandpa sent you a card, if your aunt sent you a birthday card, like you should at least be sending back a thank you card, if not writing a full on letter to put in it. Correspondence, you know, that was just what we were raised to do. But even just something from an intern, from an engineer, from someone who, okay, here's the show. We've uploaded it. Just a quick response from that person says, okay, got it on it. Just that lets them know that the process has started. The email was received. The file is in place. We are moving forward. That can make such a big difference to the other person. Letting, you're letting them know. And so it reminded me of this, this technique that we used to do back before I, instant message was sort of the de facto way to communicate with people. And that is the, the old NT command, the NT statement that you would put in a subject line. Does anyone else remember this? So you would send someone an email. And the email could be a one-line email, but instead of putting anything in the body of the email, you would essentially type the four or five-word sentence and then put NT in the subject. So it might be like, episode is edited, uploaded to CMS, NT. NT means no text. I've seen other people use different abbreviations for the same thing, but it was great because then you could see the email and you say, oh, good, that's done. Check it off your list. But having a workflow is the big thing. Having a workflow, a process, and Merlin is, is the one to listen to about anything to do with these kinds of workflows or processes. He is the master of that, Merlin Mann when it comes to especially things relating to projects, to-do lists, tasks, and email management. I won't even try to advise on that subject. But having one, having one in place, is super, super critical. And I'll tell you what, I, I actually recently did something that I, I'd been hesitant to do for a very long time. And I, to be honest, I was just kidding myself. I was deluding myself. I, uh, I, I was, to be totally honest, I was lying to myself about my situation. And the situation I'm talking, well, I don't even want to say what the situation is right away because uh, I want to tell you about my sponsor first. It's Pond5. If you're producing content online, there's no better creative resource than Pond5. From video clips and motion graphics templates to music, sound effects, you name it. Pond5 has all the amazing media you need to perfect your creative productions without exhausting your budget or your time. What's great about Pond5 is it supports a global community of artists like us, right? People who make stuff with some of the highest payouts in the industry, meaning you'll always find the highest quality and most diverse content. Plus, Pond5 provides a royalty-free license that lets you use your media wherever and whenever you need it fast and affordable, and even more so because we're giving you a special code. The code is QUIT, Q-U-I-T, QUIT, 
to save 25% off your next purchase. Something big, something little. Pond5, it's P-O-N-D-5, the number 5, pond5.com. One-stop shop for all your creative media needs. Code to use is QUIT to save 25%. Thanks very much to Pond5 for making this show possible. Hattie, you were there when I when I took this big step earlier today. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was. Yes. Yes, I was there. I talked to you about it. I was kind of pacing around. You you Usually when you make a decision, you don't pace around. I'm a decisive person. Right. And I could tell that this one was large by how much you were talking about it. Yeah, for me, it because there's guilt involved. And, you know, for a very, very long time, and I blame the iPhone for this. For a very long time, my email inbox had been growing, growing and growing and growing. And the reason why I finally realized is what I would do is I'd be, I'd be out and about. And I would look at my phone. I would get an email. I would look at the inbox. And I might even read the email. Well, what happens when you read the email? especially before I was nine or eight even, it gets marked as red. The email is now marked as red. Well, I haven't acted on it yet. I just kind of peered at it, peeked at it, to use the new 3D touch terminology. I peeked at the email, but I did it in such a way that the email is now marked as red. But I do tend to get a lot of email. Now, it's, it's become much more manageable because of things like Slack, because of the proliferation of instant message and Twitter. I get a lot less email than I used to. In fact, I would say the amount of email I get now is manageable, but for a long time it wasn't. And as a result of that, I had a whole lot of email that had been read, but then by the time that I would be at my desk and ready to process that next load of email, I wouldn't go back to the email that was Marked as red already. Why would I do that? I have 50 new messages to get through. And then I'd go out to a lunch appointment or go home and do the same thing again. Never really acting on that older email unless it was like somehow super important, in which case I might go and take the extra five taps that I would need to take to mark it as, uh, mark it as unread or flag it or put it in a certain folder or perhaps even act on it. But the fact was, every single day, there was email that was trickling over into something that maybe it wasn't super important, like if I didn't do it, nothing bad would happen. But there were emails from listeners, there were emails from friends, there were emails from potential uh, you know, sponsor leads, other things like that, that were falling through the cracks every day, a little bit of overflowing, a little bit overflowing. And over time, that added up to the point where I had, I, I, this is the part that it was stressing me out. I had thousands of emails, many of which I had answered, but for some reason or other hadn't deleted. Some that I had acted upon, but how could I tell? Many that I had just read and not done anything with. I learned from doing hyper, uh, hypercritical with John Syracuse that in many cases, you just simply won't, you, you, don't, you won't be able to or can't or choose not to reply to someone. You choose not to reply because perhaps they're just sending you feedback. They're saying, 
hey, I really enjoyed that show that you did. Episode seven of Roadwork with you and John Roderick was just great. It was really great. They just want to share that. Now, of course, they would love a response if you were to write back to them and say, hey, thanks so much for listening. They would love that, but they understand that that's not always possible. So what do you do with that email? Well, if I just flat out delete it, I feel guilty. This person took the time to down to subs- download the show, maybe subscribe to the show. Then they listened to the show. Then after listening to the show, so they've already spent an hour or two. Now they've taken more time to go to their iPhone, their computer, their iPad, whatever, and type up an email. They went to the contact page and typed an email. And I don't have five seconds to get back to them. Thanks so much for listening. Well, there's so much built into that. On the one hand, they wrote me a five-paragraph email. I, I feel bad if all I do is reply to them and say, thanks, man, exclamation point, DB, send. That seems like a cop-out. Well, but then at least I replied, right? But then I replied and like, I didn't have time. They wrote this long email. I didn't even, so that, what do I do? Do I not do anything? You know what? Let me, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. You know what I'll do? I'll set up some time later in the week where I'll just go over those kinds of emails, right? But that doesn't happen because new emails come in and more new emails come in and more new emails come in. And then instead of that quick reply that I might've been able to do, there's no reply at all. And that's what I would have done in the beginning, but I would have done it without the feelings of guilt. Like John Syracuse says, I do not feel obligated to email back to anyone. If someone chooses to write to me, I will read it, but I may or may not reply to it. And that's tough. And I hate to be the person that doesn't reply to all the email, especially when people are like, in some cases, sharing personal stories or pouring out their heart and soul. That or happens. saying thank you. Yeah. But I was, what I was lying to myself about was that, oh, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later. And I had this steaming pile of hundreds, thousands even of emails that I was never realistically going to get to. Then you add into that the spam. The only account that I don't get spam on is my MailRoute account. They're not sponsoring this episode, are they, Addie? No. Shame not on this them. One. Shame on them. <laughs> But that's the only one I don't get tons of spam on. And so I, and you know where I get the spam from these days? Yes, I still get spam from the stupid South by Southwest places, the media people from like two years ago. But (laughs) most of the spam that I get these days is from companies that I do use, like Twitter. They'll send me tons of spam. Or other, you should follow Ellen DeGeneres. Right. You should follow Jimmy Fallon. Why is it always Ellen DeGeneres? I I mean, Ellen DeGeneres just tweeted, I don't care. I'm not following her because I don't want to follow her. So I don't do want email, to follow her. I just don't, don't want to email, email me about, about her. Yeah. I'm not following her. And it's not because I don't know she exists. It's because I don't want to follow her. Do I have anything against her? Absolutely not. But I also don't want to follow her. So don't Twitter, don't try to tell me that I need to follow Ellen DeGeneres. What? <gasps> Ellen, did Ellen DeGeneres has a Twitter account? No, right. I think that's that's the kind of reaction that they're hoping that we're having. Uh, and and <gasps> I don't follow it. The Addie? president has a Twitter account. But it's not the president. It's POTUS. Yeah, the ugliest, I was like, what's POTUS? And we've I was like, talked oh. about this on another show, but really? that's the you and I have really. 
Yeah, POTUS. I think I'm geriatric now. Yeah, elderly, you mean. Yeah, not convalescing. No. Getting worse, actually. For those (laughs) who are not here in these uh, great United States, POTUS, maybe uh, one of the ugliest words or terms right under scrum. Ugh, or moist. President P. of the United States, POTUS. Worst, worst ever. If I see someone tweeting about POTUS, it's gross. Or talking about POTUS, or using the word POTUS, or tweeting Sounds to like POTUS, that would come or out of tweet a from wound. POTUS, I will block their account or just unfollow them. POTUS, and it's in all caps too. Yeah, so they're shouting it, POTUS. <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm getting spam from, or companies I like and use. Just because I bought something from you doesn't mean I want to get email from you forever. I never want to get email from you. Well, how are we supposed to get the word out about our latest thing? If I want to know about the word, if I want the word, I will sign up to your newsletter myself. Or if it doesn't. Or I'll follow you on Twitter if I want the word. I follow Micklethwaite's. Yeah. The uh, Micklethwaite's. Is it Micklethwaite's? Micklethwaite's. Micklethwaite's Craft Meats here in Austin, my favorite barbecue truck. I follow them on Twitter, but I don't want any email from them ever. Right. Also, I feel like if you can't fit what you're trying to say in just the title of the email, like 40% off today and tomorrow at Banana Republic. Okay, cool. No need for the rest of the email. I don't need to know anything. I That's all I want to know. And you know what? I'm probably going to delete it. Even though I signed up for it. Yep. I'm going to delete it. I delete most things that I sign up for, even the things that I want to read. Like the skim. I love that. That newsletter. It's great. Yeah. But I don't have time to read that. And you know what? If you want to read it, you'll sign up for it. Don't just sign. Anyway, that's a whole yeah, I separate topic. I want to talk about these. We're going to get to them next. Because they're in an order I know. We'll of get to timeline. It. We're about ready to get to it. Okay. But the, the thing that I'm trying to say is that I so what I finally did is I I said you know what and Merlin gave me advice on this I said I need to be honest with myself I am never as much as I keep telling myself I will as much as I have tried and believe me I have I have done it where I've said I'm going to spend two hours and work through these emails and I would get to it and I would spend the two hours and I wouldn't even make a dent. And then my email load started to change. I think it's because of Slack. It's because of IM. It's because of Twitter. It started to calm down to a manageable point every day. And I was working through that days of email, no problem. But I was not getting to that backlog. And it just kept getting further and further and further away from me ever getting through it, even if I would block off time to do it, time I don't have time that I should be spending on working on a show or doing a show or working on our podcast hosting and and stats platform that we're about to release or the other tools that I've been building for podcasters or working on a new, doing a new video for podcasters. You know what I mean? Like stuff that, that a, I like to do and B is revenue generating and C is, you know, beneficial to a community. If it's, if it's not something I like to do or revenue generating well, I mean, I like to do it all, but you know what I'm saying? Like if it's not revenue generating, then it's just beneficial to have in the world. Like that Mike Technique video it doesn't make us any money, but I love doing it and it's helpful to people. 
But instead of doing that, I'm going over email. And like, by the time I get the email, it's like, you know, somebody wrote in to say, Hey, thanks so much for doing the show. It, it was really great. And I, I'm like, I'm moved by it. And I want to say, thanks. Anyway, long story short, I said, realistically, I'm never going to get to any of these emails. These things that come in, came in in August and earlier of this year, I'm not going to get to them. I just, I'm not. You were honest with yourself. I archived them all. I archived all of the email that I had received in my life before August of this year. <laughs> that would feel great. It felt great and sad. I felt incredibly guilty. I felt terrible. I felt like I was a, a horrible person. I felt like maybe I'm missing amazing business opportunities and partnerships, great sponsors. Well, actually, you do most of the sponsor stuff, so it's, that was fun. But like I, a friends reaching out to me, Dan, I was your best friend in fifth grade, and I finally found you on the internet, and I'm reaching out to reconnect with you because I live here in Austin too. Let's go get barbecue. I missed that email. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I did. I finally did. I, I just said, you know what? I'm, I, realistically, I'll never do it. And every single day, it's weighing heavily on my life. So I archived them all. I didn't delete them. I mean, they're, they exist. So if I were to search, I would find them. They're there. Gmail or whatever has them. But they're out of my inbox. And then I went through and I blazed through September and October emails. I am 100% caught up. I've processed everything and I have a workflow that I will share with you now on what I do and the software and the apps and the tools that I use to process the email. Part of it, though, is made easier by the 3D touch on the iPhone. This will work even if you don't have an iPhone. But if you have, if you have one of these amazing 3D touch apps on your phone, you can peek at the contents of the email. By just pressing down and I can read it, I can glance at it. And if it's something that's important, then I can act on it right then. If it's not something important, then I haven't marked it as read. And now you can even just swipe right and it'll mark it as unread. That's a huge thing. That's going to help me never get back in that pit that I was in before. Terrible pit. And then I just went through and I unsubscribed to everything. And now I have a new policy. Instead of just deleting something or marking it as spam, I will unsubscribe from it. I think I unsubscribed from over 50 things today. You know what you're doing? It's almost like cleaning up your mess right after you, like in the kitchen. If you make a meal, it's easiest if you go ahead and clean up your, the mess that you just made cooking yeah. right after you're finished. Yeah, Don't instead eating. of just leaving it. Because if you leave it there, and I run into this all the time, if I've made some sort of, you know, bread or baked good then if i don't clean up immediately after i'm done yeah it will sit there for weeks <laughs> not like nasty <laughs> bowls but like the bowls that are rinsed and everything will just sit in the sink waiting for me to hand wash them because they can't go in the dishwasher right so it's best to just take care of it while you're in it yeah that's exactly right and that's the perfect analogy for it and that is that is what i'm doing and and then i have various tools now chad uh chad bailey has in, in the process of uh, working and writing code and things like that and, and doing shared stuff with him, he introduced me to Trello. Heidi, I want you to put Trello into the show notes, please. I will. 
Trello. It's it's an app. Well, it's a website. It's also an app for iOS and Android. Beautiful on the iPad, I must say. Where you basically build lists. So you start a board, and a board has a number of lists on it. If you're familiar with the post-it note methodology of working, where you write on something on a little post-it note, and then you move the post-it notes into different columns. Maybe on a whiteboard or a window. Exactly. This is that, but better and online and on every device and every web browser in the world. So right here, I have one for this show, and I've got one that is for topics. And so I have like topic ideas, and then I've got another one for topics that we've covered. And you could even make one for, you know, one for each individual episode, for example. Well, you can do this with every single project that you do. You can have a doing list. You can have a done list. You can have a, you know, to-do list or a conversation list for each different project that you're on. Drag, you drag the cards from one list to the next list. It's amazing. It does work as a to-do list, although it's not quite as streamlined for a to-do list that you can like have on your watch and just tap. And it'll, it'll pull the items off your list as you do them. There, there are better to-do list apps for sure. And it doesn't really matter what to-do list app you're using. They're all pretty good. And I haven't found one that I'm totally in love with. I've been using Clear. Hattie, put that in the show notes. Yes, Clear. Clear is nice. I've been using Todoist. Those are the two that I've been spending most of the time. But it doesn't really matter what you use. You could just use a text editor. You could use Reminders. You can do lists in, you know, in, in a lot of the text editors let you put lists right inside of them. I use um, Wonderlist. Wonderlist is fantastic. Yep. Also cross-platform, and I think they have a web interface as well. So using, so, so here, here's how you do it. An email comes in, peek at it. And if, if you're outside of the time frame, do email several times a day. Do not leave it running. People always tell you this. Don't just leave it running and become a slave to your email. You know what? I'm going to do email when I do it perhaps first thing in the morning for 30 minutes. Then I do it again at lunch for 30 minutes. Then I do it 30 minutes at the end of the day or whatever works for you, but have that schedule. And then those things become tasks that you perform. Oh, this person sent this email. I need to do this thing. What do you do? Reply to them and say, got your email. I'll work on this today. I'll have it for you before the end of the day, whatever it is. Set the expectation, send the email next. Then that item either, you either do it immediately because it only takes a second or you add it to your to-do list or if it becomes a task, put it in as a card on Trello. That's it. It's that simple. And you're getting back to the people immediately and letting them know that you're going to be doing it. Now, how you prioritize those tasks, how you handle them, how you indicate that they're done and Everything in between, how you schedule your meetings and all of that, that's up to you. This is just the email part. But that one workflow will keep your email box empty. It will keep you moving and moving through time efficiently. And it's changed my whole game up. I've been practicing it with all the new emails, but clearing out those old emails that I finally just admitted I am not going to get to was. Although I did feel sad, like Hattie said, it was also a liberating thing. Now, we've got a whole bunch of your great emails that we're going to get to in a second. I'm going to tell you about our last sponsor. It's Wealthfront. 
Wealthfront makes it easy for anyone to get access to world-class long-term investment management. Okay, it's an online service, it's automated, and it invests your money for you. Boom, that's it. Like, that's the gist of it right there. That's all, if all you remember about Wealthfront is that it's automated and it invests your money intelligently for you, then you are set. Because you know you should be investing your money for the long term. You want to retire one day, you want your family to have financial health. But it's not easy to do this every day. You're like, what am I going to do? Am I going to like figure this out on my own? Am I going to go start like researching like mutual funds in my spare time? No. Am I going to go find and invest? You know what? That's what I'll do. I will go and get one of these managers, these people, these advisors. Well, they charge huge fees. 1%, 2%, 3%. That doesn't sound like a lot until you realize it's 3% of everything you've got. Chipping away at that little nest egg. Chip, chip, chip. It's not good. Wealthfront is different. Wealthfront, and they made a special URL for us, Hattie. Mm-hmm. Wealth, wealthfront.com slash five by five. Wealthfront automatically invests for you, automatically rebalances your portfolio, reinvests your dividends, and it does this all commission free. You see every trade that they make right in your dashboard, anywhere you go on your desktop or in your pocket with their mobile app. It's amazing. This is like the dream because, you know, like if you're just starting out, you put like 500,000 bucks in there, you'll be shocked at how quickly that grows. And you don't have to worry about those details. So the URL to go to is wealthfront.com slash five by five. And if you go there, Wealthfront is going to manage your first $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. That means in addition to never paying commissions, not paying hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees for that first 15K. Wealthfront.com slash five by five. Go check them out. Now I have to read this disclaimer. For compliance purposes, I have to tell that Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read our full disclosure. Done. Well, Hattie, why don't you uh, read read some of these emails? Hattie, th- we have a new system. Speaking of workflows, that is the sound of our See new- how that sounds different from... Yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing a different, a whole different motion with them. That was a weird sound. Yeah. That was like that hamburger flopping off the, the grill. Right, it would be like. Yeah. Like a dead fish. Ugh. A dead beef patty. Anyway, these are our green cards. We have green cards now. Uh-huh. Green, green cards are for sponsors. Blue cards are for notes, notes that I take or that are printed when I say Hattie. Uh, you go go research Heather Armstrong. Right. And you run off and you research Heather Armstrong. And you run back in and you say, here are your sponsors, green cards. Here are your notes, blue cards. And then I go and do my thing. It's easy. Step-by-step right. step process. Let's do some of these emails. Okay. I wanted to go in in order of each of these people that have written in are in a different stage of the same process, kind of. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, But they're... Or in the the full process. So we'll start out with, uh, and I, it's always they don't unless they say it at the top. They don't say anything about not saying their name. So well, don't will, we always say always make up a name? Oh, okay. Just do like got it. S 
in New Hampshire. Okay. That's how you do it. Cool. Okay, do it. Uh, this is, I don't think they say where they are, so I'll just say Bill. Okay. Hey, Dan and Hattie. Back in June, I wrote you telling you that I was thinking about leaving my job to go consult, but I was worried about doing a full court press on publicity and how it would affect my job. You talked about it on the June 19th episode. You said just to start promoting my consulting business and if the powers that be confront me to deal with it then. I started promoting everything on the sly. I worked really hard on building an awesome online presence, on getting projects lined up, and I did a lot of uh, lunch meetings in July. One day in late July, after I had a couple of different stress-related issues, I handed in my resignation. I originally gave three weeks' notice, but ended up getting talked into doing six weeks' notice. Then he says no to everyone else. Do not do this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's a month since I left my job, and it's the best thing I could have done. I'm so much happier. I have a ton of new challenges. I've started a podcast. One podcast, not a freaking network, he says. Uh, See, because he follows my advice. And I have no plan to make all of my uh, disparate passions work together to make me money. This morning, I just signed on my third client, and I've got a half dozen proposals out there with even more people lining up to get me. Today, I am booked through the next two months, although I'm constantly worried about where the next gigs will come from. I just wanted to say thank you for everything you do. You made a difference in my life, and I know you made a difference in the lives of many of your listeners. Thank you, sir. Wow. Bill. Bill. Bill in Oklahoma. Or we can just call him BG. BG. Yeah. Is he in Oklahoma? I don't think so. I just made that up. Okay. Sure, yeah. That's a great, great email. So I wanted to start with that one because this is someone who quit and they're doing great. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it's the dream. They're right. living the dream. He said he's happier. He's glad That's he left. First, you know what? Right, done. Be happier. Just be happier. You know what I mean? That's all. That's the goal. So good job, BG. We're proud of you. Proud of you. And glad we. If I help. knew where the bill. Um, I don't know who I took think that. It's in Someone a box. comes in here and changes everything around every time. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Uh, okay. But anyway, thank you for the feedback. We love that kind of feedback. Yes. Uh, and not only because it shows that I was right, <laughs> but because it points out that I was also correct. Also, we will come back and we'll talk about BG, BG. in a minute. The, B, the BGs. Now, uh, okay, this person is cool with you, but I'll also, I'll just go with initials for this one. Okay. BH. BH. BG yep. and BH? Yep. And then All there's, right. yeah. Uh, Brow, Broward Hughes. <laughs> uh, hey, Dan and Hattie and Shlok and or guests. So, but Shlok is not here, so. Yeah, good riddance. Uh, he Probably. says, Until 2009, I was an electrician full-time and remodeling on nights and weekends. Then remodeling was keeping me busier, so I started my own company. Now I'm scheduling a year and a half in advance. Thank you to all uh, of you and your co-host advice over the years. Currently, I have uh, a previous client scheduled for about six months from now. This project was scheduled before the previous two projects completed, And while they went okay, it wasn't a great vibe or appreciation. Cut and dry, I don't like working with for her, and I fear a bad review on Yelp. Mm. And then he says, I notice an immediate drop in calls when I receive anything less than a five-star review. See, we were just talking about five-star reviews. Do you have any advice on how to cancel or dissuade this client for the scheduled project, keeping in mind that people can review on Yelp or Google for any reason? Ugh. Yeah. Um, 
He says, huge fan of all the great shows. And he's a proud $1 Patreon supporter. And he's been listening since 2010. Wow. BH. Thank you for the support, BH. Yes. Couldn't do it without you. In, uh, this is BH in Portland. Did we meet BH? We met BH on the street. Mm. Heading to Sandwiches. Mm. Oh, yes. now I remember. Um, so, BH. Mm-hmm. Dan, what advice do you have for BH about how he can, he's basically like, this, I know this is not going to go well. Yeah. They've already kind of given their dissatisfaction or it's just not a good feeling all around. How does he back out of this in a, in a professional way since this is his own business? Well, I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you would say about this because you generally have when I when I need help dealing with human beings, you will step in and you'll say you need to be nice and you need to remember. <laughs> I have to remind you this, and you need to tell them this, and it has to come from your heart. And you know how you do all that. Yeah, you're like I, if I had a conscience, it would sound like you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, B H. Well. My first inclination is is to be honest mm-hmm. and maybe reach out to this client of yours mm-hmm. and say and what if I think I'm understanding your email correctly you've worked on other projects with this client and that's what it, there's I got a third one email. and you're like I'm just not up for this I think it would be but see let me understand there's no contract out right now like he I didn't, don't believe he didn't it's a commit. He didn't commit to doing more work, right? That doesn't just scheduled. It's scheduled, though. Yep, it is scheduled, but it's okay. Here's I got it. I've six got six months answer. from now. Okay, I've got the answer. You say your answer, and then I'll say mine. I'm not okay. You, if you agree with my answer, you tell him how to say it in a way that will make a human feel. Oh, I'll good. be a translator, right? Okay, because remember, in the beginning, it's it's your job. It's his job to make them feel good, right? Back to the earlier part of the uh-huh. show. Here's what I think. I think he goes to them and he says, you know what? First of all, don't do the thing where you're like, you know, I'm busier than I thought I was going to be. And yeah, we've got a no, trip coming up and then there's a thing here. No. Uh, here's what I would do. I, I would just, he, he doesn't have to get into the nitty gritty of it. He doesn't have to even explain why. You don't owe anyone an explanation. My mother told me that a long time ago. I mean, sometimes you do, but not really. <laughs> Except sometimes. Except sometimes. I mean, I think I think his best bet is to go to these people and say, listen, I, I've really enjoyed working with you guys and I'm, I'm thrilled to be involved and work with you on this project, but I want to pursue some different directions in the kind of work that I'm going to be taking on. I know we've got this work scheduled. So uh, I would like to introduce you to these other two or three people who do the same kind of work that I do, who have availability during that time and will cost about the same thing. If you'd like, I can make that introduction. I think they would be excellent. I can help them get up to speed on this project. And if, if you'd like to go with my recommendations, if they are suitable to you, then you can work with them on this. However, for me personally, I'm, I'm going to be looking to, to make some changes maybe going in a different direction, maybe working with some different folks. And I, I hope you understand because it's been a you know very uh, rewarding experience for me. 
However, this is what I've decided to do. I think you said that great. I don't think that needs any translating. And I would you do it, Hattie, in an email or is it a sit down meeting? Or or um, how do you do that? What's considered professional? An electrician. Mm, I think it would be fine over the phone or over email. I think yeah. either is fine. Um or in person. Whatever you're most comfortable because with. Because a lot of people when they're in a situation where it this almost feels like a confrontation, right? It does because it's almost like you're delivering bad news. It is I mean, bad it news. Is bad news. Yeah, for the person. You know, part of me, you know, when I think about this, I think, look, if BH is a, you know, a, a sane person, yeah. uh, you know, he, if he's getting bad vibes from these people and chances are the client feels somewhat exactly the same as you do. You know what? You're making a great point. Maybe the client feels the same feel the thing. Same. And they're, what if they're sitting there going, well, I already scheduled this guy for, you know, one more time six months from now. And I don't, I don't know how to get out of it. You never know when you're actually doing the other person a favor at the same time. So what I think you should do, add on to what Dan said and kind of a little bit of an edit Dan, and let me know what you think about this. Yeah. Would it be unprofessional to to call out the fact that you're, that while you enjoyed, uh, you know, them giving you the experience to do a project mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. um, but after... Like giving them feedback as to why you're not happy? And- well, in a sense, and say, you know, I, I enjoyed the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we scheduled uh, another project, but after the first two projects, mm-hmm. and again, this is a little bit different for, you know, electrician. I don't know how this works, but you could say after two projects, I just don't know if I'm the best fit for you. Um, and then segue into Dan's and say, but well, what, okay. I know this is scheduled for this time. I have already checked with these top two other people. They have the openings. I've let them know. Basically, well, I wouldn't let them know, but otherwise, so far, I agree with you. Wait, what do you mean let them know? I wouldn't let the, the other people know about it. You want to go to the client first, talk to the client first. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't no, want to go to your friends. But you want to say, like, hey, do you have time six months from now to do something? You don't even, yeah. I mean, maybe, if maybe if you are BFFs, that. yeah. Maybe, but then they're going to be like, why don't you want to do it? What's wrong with it? Right, that's true. See, and then, then, but uh, do what Dan said. Well, the problem but with the starting of mine, maybe I like the starting of yours. I think it's honest, and you never know when they might respond and say, "You know what? I'm so glad you said something because I was fretting about this too." For sure. And this is a perfect opportunity for you to get a client six months from now that might end up being a client for the rest of the time that you're an electrician. Yeah. You know, like so. Why not? use that time wisely. I don't know. That's my idea. I, I like it. I say go with it. Thank you, BH. This next email I will read. Okay. It's from MP, Military Police. MP. And uh, MP has a question. Says that uh, the business is at the point after five years that they need to bring in some additional help to support their growth. How do you find the best people? So the question is, how do you find the best people? And it's and time to expand. Time to expand your business. We were talking to, so his, his or her problem 
is not how I'm afraid to delegate. That's usually the small business person's problem. Right. I'm afraid to delegate and I don't feel like I can let go of the reins enough to let's assume that that's not their problem at all. Their problem is their problem is like how help. do I actually go and find people? That's so hard. Oh yeah. This is this is the hardest part. We have had I mean before, Hattie before I found you uh I thought I would never find anybody else who would get it or be able to help out. Or I just figured like I would hire someone as long as they work out, I keep them around. And if they don't, when they don't work out, inevitably they won't, then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it and they'll go and I'll just now have to just start over again. Right. But you know what? That's what the employee, now you, you have done an excellent job. Thank you. Just done my job? Yeah. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. And. So have you. Well, <laughs> I don't have a choice. That's true. If I do a bad job, then, you know, we, I don't have a house to live in anymore. You could go find another job. Maybe. I don't know at this point. <laughs> you know, you do, you do have the free cell phone uh, data. That's true. I mean, that's, that's a what's perk. really keeping me here. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew that. And, and what I've told you a million times is true. You will never get that at any other company anywhere else. <laughs> that's, we're the only ones that offer that. Right. So I think. Our challenge has been finding people who, you know, obviously on the one part of it, and I've heard this time and time again, is that you want to find somebody who fits with the company culture. And that's this, that's become this kind of contrived thing of like, at our company, we like this and we do noling on our desks. And then on, we, we don't work on Fridays because we're surfing or whatever the thing is that you decide right. is your cor- corporate culture or we keep beer in our fridge that's us or we right, have, even little things whatever right, or, it is everybody has a funny nickname on our site right you know we all make up our own crazy job titles cat corraler yeah <laughs> cat wrangler wrangler yeah that's better than corraler well it's hard to spell that or it's, say it yeah it's like uh relaxy taxi or relaxy cab yeah so at the end of the day, though, you know, finding someone who fits with the culture and the personalities of the existing people is far more important, I think, than finding somebody who comes in with a specific resume or skill set. And I think the number one thing that I look for in people that I hire or have tried to hire is adaptability. That's the one thing that served right. me best in, in all of my career, especially working for myself, but certainly working for other people too, is, you know, like when I would apply for a job that say it involved software development programming, and maybe they wanted to hire somebody who was good at Java. Let's say they wanted to hire a Java developer. Well, I never really deeply specialized in any one kind of programming language. I could do Python if I had to today. I don't know why you'd ever want to code in a language that Spacing was important, but that's a different show. You know, I do mostly Rails. I do mostly Ruby, and that's because I like it best. But if I felt like it, I could learn Erlang, and I could get pretty good at Erlang pretty quickly because I've been doing software development for a very long time. But it's that kind of adaptability that 
you find someone who can, you know what, they don't care so much that they someone needs to know Java. Like they'll if they're a good software developer, they could just learn Java. Anyone could learn a programming language if they're good at learning languages. Right. So that the skill that you look for isn't awesome Java developer. The skill that you look for is awesome person at learning languages. That's the skill you want right. is learning software languages. Because I'll tell you what, if your business is successful, if your business is successful, it won't matter the language they know now. It'll matter the language they need to know in two or three years. Right. Will they be that employee that goes out and learns it on the weekends as soon as it comes out, you know, beta release or something, you know, like Swift was like people wanted to go and learn that. And they did probably whether their employer needed them to or not. That's what you look for is the self starter, right? I remember uh, one of my bosses had one time uh, said that they felt that their the way that they hired was they hired people who managed themselves, who pursued perfection and who enjoyed learning and who enjoyed essentially bringing what I would define as an entrepreneurial spirit to their job. Somebody who, I want to learn this new thing. What is that called? It's called Rails. That looks interesting. I want to learn that. What's that new PHP framework? I, I want to go and experience. You know what? Let's do our, all, guys, girls, let's do our next project in this language because we all should learn it. Don't you think? That's the kind of person you want, you know? And someone who doesn't feel like they're above, especially at a small business, that they're above doing everyday tasks. Like, maybe sometimes somebody needs to take the trash out at the end of the day. Right. Maybe somebody needs to go run, get new coffee pods for the Keurig. Right. You know, like, everybody has to pay, play their part. No, I think that's definitely a critical critical thing. So uh, my only advice is when you're hiring, that's what you want to be hiring. That is the single skill that you need to look for. All right. Next, uh, we have one time for one more, Hattie. Uh, This is from WS. Okay. Dan and Hattie, I'm torn between quitting outright or allowing my employer the chance uh, to shorten my time for a few, for another few months. I know I will be hired in the profession of my choice and can do so with a 20% raise in my salary. After 3.5 years of working this current job, I'm starting to feel pigeonholed and overwhelmed by the responsibility I'm given. And without the appropriate support, here's the catch. I really like the people I work with. Mm -hmm. And pardon me, I know they'll be screwed in the short time if I leave. They won't be as screwed as you think. Dan, Mm. I like this email. Dan. (laughs) Let's say you had an employee you couldn't live without. Okay. And let's say... Can't imagine that. I can't even put myself in that situation. uh But I'll try. I'll try. I'm also reading verbatim. And let's say she came to you with an offer in her hand for 20% more. Do you buy her time for another few months while she trains the next person or say good luck and send her off? I know there might be some middle ground options here and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, As a note, while at this job, I'm able to work on side projects and a consulting gig that I'd likely have to give up if and when I make the transition. Thanks for what you do. W.S. W.J.S. W.J.S. Wall Street Journal. Wall Journal Street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the first thing that I'll say is that 
the people that you like are not going to be as screwed as you think. And you know what? Yes, they rely on you for sure. They absolutely rely on you to do the job that you're doing, which I assume is a very hard job and a very good job that you're doing. And you like those people, so you don't want to leave them high and dry. But here's what you need to remember. It's like Hattie's mom always said. You, you don't owe them your unhappiness. You don't owe those. Right. Them. It's not really what she said, is it? She said you don't owe anybody an explanation. Right. But in this situation, if you're not happy in your job and you're, you're telling yourself, well, I got to keep doing it uh, because I want my friends to, uh, at, at the job to be happy. Come on. No, you don't. You do have to put yourself first sometimes. And yeah, this if is you're, one of those if times. If you're unhappy in the job that you're doing, and the comp and you've gone to the company and said, I'm I'm I need more help. I need I feel pigeonholed. I need more help. I need to I need to learn more. I need room to grow and I need uh you know, to do this job, I need more support. I too much I need, on my yeah. shoulders, yeah. Right. If you've gone to them and said that and their answer was oh, sorry. Then don't worry about like what the people you like at your job are gonna feel. If you're worried about it, after you give your resignation, tell them why. Or tell them why before you do it, if you trust them. They they would not want, if they're your friends too, they would not want you to be there. And, and if you're an employee that they can't live without. They, they, that, but everyone, I know you don't think they can live without you, but they can. They will. They will, yeah. No employer, listen to me, listen to me. No employer is going to be comfortable having one employee be like the linchpin to their whole organization. Had as important as you are to five by five, as much as you do, I know that you could go get another job. You could quit. Or you know what? You could one day decide, you know what? I don't want to work anymore, period. I'm going to go right. sit in my parents' pool. You <laughs> Which know? is what I was doing before I got this right. job. I will return you to return, the pool. Return to your default state. <laughs> iPhone, Facebook, pool. Done. Done. It's a nice life. Yeah. You know, or, or you know what? Maybe you get married and decide to have kids. And decide that you're going to take time off of work. Something could happen. I don't know. So it would it would be bad, but it's not like well the company I'm shutting down the company now now company is done <laughs> no more quit anymore no more quit no more anything you know like you this this person working at this company you may be I, I I don't what do they do do they say what they do they don't say what they do no they might be the only person that understands how to work the pretzel machine and nobody else in that company can operate the pretzel machine and the machine that they make pretzels there. But you know what? If that's really the case, if that's really the case that you're the only person and you're that valuable and your employer is not treating you that way and you've gone to them and said, I need your help. This is what I need to do my job well and to feel happy here. And they have said no, then they don't value you and it serves them right if you walk. So if an employee came to me and said, I've got an offer for 20%. 20% more by their time 
for another few months while she trains the next person or say why is that the option i don't that is not the either or option he says i know there might be some middle ground Yeah, there's a lot of middle ground options in fact shoot a couple out all right first of all i don't see either of those two as ideal options so i wouldn't propose either of them as an employer so here's the first thing i'm going to do as an employer is i'm going to say is this person really the linchpin keystone person that i think they are and the answer might be yes. And if the answer is yes, then guess what? I'm going to have to find a way to come up with that 20%. I'm going to have to say, if I match right. what they're paying you, will you stay? What What will it take for what you to stay? What will it take for you to stay? And and you and the myth, mythical employee who will will call HC were to say to me- She sounds pretty. I need to- <laughs> And smart. I need to, uh, I, I need to make 20% more or I'm going to have to leave. I would have to look and see if I could afford 20% more. And if I couldn't afford 20% more, then I would say, I I can't afford 20% more. Here's what I can afford. Or how about this? I can afford 10% more, but here are other things that we can do to make your job better or easier or we'll hire a person or right. What, (laughs) you know what? Instead of working until five or six o'clock at night, why don't you one day a week or two days a week? Why don't you right. work from home or whatever? We'll figure something out that will make it uh, make you happier. Oh, you need more support. Well, how about I hire this person and is an intern to do that? I, as an employer who values an employee, would do anything that I could, whether it's raising the salary or doing other perks or other things. For example, offering you like have your data plan paid for on your your cell yeah. phone. That probably is something you wouldn't I think that find would keep that anywhere mythical else. hc here just that alone <laughs> i might be able to reduce the person's salary significantly oh, really because they know that mm-hmm. they can't get a data plan anywhere <laughs> maybe if they worked at at&t they could that's about it <laughs> so i feel like there's a whole lot of other options but if i'm given the choice of those two what i see as subpar options I mean, maybe they really need to stick around and train. I don't know. You don't owe these people anything. It's a job. Now, if if you've known the person for years and years, and they mentored you, and you feel and you feel like you your owe them something, your family friends, yeah. like then then like go to them and explain the situation. If they say no, then you're free and clear. That's how it works. Right. That's it. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah, I think I think that's. You know, it's it's difficult because it's like you. You care, WS. You care, and that's very rare for people. Working but you got to put yourself first, man. But you do have to put yourself first, and if they're you know, not willing to help you out, you've been working there for three and a half years, and you care about not only just your job and getting paid. You actually care about this business, and you care about the people that work there, and that's very rare. But you know what? That makes you a really, really great catch for other companies, and totally. I think. You've put in your time and if you're not happy and like Dan said, if you're not, if they're not willing to offer you your, your happiness back, you know, mm-hmm. with support mm-hmm. or a raise or whatever, if they're not willing to do that, then that's not the place you should be. And you should take your talents and good will and cares and take them to another company that will appreciate that you care and they'll be paying you 20% more. I think that's a great answer. Take Hattie's uh, advice. Do what she says. That's what she said. That's what she said. 
and do it. Do it. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Go check out our sponsors. Hattie's on Twitter. She's at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Really, really do. Thanks for uh, for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Keep the emails coming. We've got a few we didn't get to. And I've got a handful of topics. Right now, I'm going to launch Trello and I'm going to... Uh, are they sponsoring any? No, but I can work on that. Work on that because uh, I'm going to... Right now, I'm dragging the little cards over. Aw. Right there. Boom. Now I know what topics we've done. Oh, email bankruptcy. Moved over. Done. See? And now I know how to write the uh, description because I can just look at the Trello. Just look at the Trello. So uh, go check out Trello. Go delete all your email and uh, go ask for a 20% raise. Unless you get a data plan, then just sit tight. Right. If you have a data plan, ride that out. (laughs) We'll be back next week. (laughs) Bye.